1: hey friends and welcome to yet another edition of afternoons with mike on the line with me a young man named noah fay now you may recognize the last name fay f-a-y as uh, being the name of a guest that we had on a couple months back brian fay his brother is noah and that's who my guest is today noah is with now john Stimberg.er He is the Director of Communications for the Florida Family Policy Council. Noah, it's great to have you with me today.
0: Mike, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to speak with you.
1: Well, I'm excited to have you. We were talking before we began this program that uh, you're a young guy, uh, 21 years of age, with a conviction, with a heart, already trained in school. And on top of that, you have a, a worldview that is biblical and a desire to see your life count for the glory of God, and for that I commend you, my man. I'm, I'm very proud to have you on the show, and uh, my good friend John Stimberger has been with me here many times, and I've known him for about thirty some odd years, and he's doing a great work. So you've got to be pumped to be working for a guy like John.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a it's an amazing opportunity. Uh, you know, the people we've already gotten to go meet and uh, speak with. Um, It's just great to be here, and like you said, fighting for the kingdom of God, it's awesome.
1: It is really a fight, isn't it? When you get into what a lot of the things that John deals with at the Florida Family Policy Council, you're talking about uh, legislators, uh, sessions in Tallahassee, uh, Florida politics, that's uh, always in the news, even nationally speaking right now because of our governor. And uh, whether or not Ron is going to run for president, that's the daily question in the Main Street news media. I'm sure you get to yield a lot of questions as well, because John knows the governor well, and ha- he's been up there at the uh, pro-family days, which is also coming up in a moment. We'll talk about all of those things, but first, tell us about yourself. How did you, uh, how did you get to be here in Central Florida? Did you uh, grow up here or did you move here?
0: yeah Mike i uh, I've been here, born and raised um, been here my whole life uh, twenty one years old, so like you said i'm a I'm a younger guy here. <laughs> um, and I grew up in church. I went to originally First Baptist Orlando. that's where I've been since I was born. I think I was in their daycare
1: <laughs> right
0: and uh that's kind of you know i've been I've been a Christian my whole life. I was uh, saved at eight years old and baptized. And ever since then, I've just been working on my personal, you know, relationship with God.
1: Right. And that is something that regardless of when we come to know the Lord, that's a work that we still have to do, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Now, you're a young guy, like we've mentioned, and yet uh, you're part of a generation that really is seemingly uh, looking toward things of value, maybe more than a few of the generations before them. And that's got to be exciting. Are you seeing the same thing from your perspective?
0: I feel like it's kind of split. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's some, pe- I, I feel like it's becoming more polarized for sure. Um, you know, some people who are still on the left in my generation are, are hardcore left as they'll ever be. Uh, but what's cool is, you know, kind of that middle portion is going away. And now the people who are kind of on the fence have really chosen a side, either right or left. And a lot of them are choosing kind of that right side uh, point of view there.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, that would, um, that would make sense because our country seems to have done the same thing. Uh, when you look at the national polls, when you hear the rhetoric and you hear interviews of just men on the street, people on the street, uh, you hear them talk. And that middle ground that you talked about going away, that seems to have gone away in, in, in large in our population. And it, we seem to be a, a nation right now that's either leaning extreme left or uh, we're on the right side of things, and that middle ground is not as present as it used to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that middle ground has quickly uh, disappeared, and uh, it's really become a... A two-party, uh, you know, Republican versus Democrat or liberal or however you want to refer to them as. Um, and like I said, you know, the, the good thing about that is is the viewpoints are becoming very clear. There's no muddying of the water. You can see what the liberals believe and you can see what the conservatives believe and make your informed decision there.
1: Right. And those things are, are quite in view if you have uh, any understanding of the Bible. No, what I find is that that's the big issue with a lot of young people because their parents have not trained them in the Bible. And so those that would be maybe leaning on this left side, they're doing that really in a, a real sense out of just default. Because they've not been trained, they don't even know. Often the Bible stories that Sunday schools have taught for many, many years. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that a lot of people just kind of regurgitate, you know, especially in my generation, what their parents uh, think and feel and say. Uh, you know, just kind of what you're raised up on. Especially if you haven't heard it in the Bible talking about being knit together in your mother's womb, then you know you might not understand why abortion. Is a bad thing.
1: Right. So it, it really matters whether uh, or not a family is taking the time to train their kids in the ways of the Lord. And scripture makes it very clear that we should be doing that and kind of giving our kids at all times of the day when we're getting up in the morning, when we're walking down the street, when we're at home at night, uh, talking about the things of God. And so a lot of what we're seeing happen. In kids that are going to the left, sadly, it's not just happening from the standpoint of whether or not they've, they've heard the, the gospel before, it's whether or not they've bought in or they're leaning into what is the truth. And, and I think a home atmosphere really plays a lot into that. Are you seeing a lot of people that you've known in your life kind of go this path of what's being called today deconstructing their faith? Are you seeing that?
0: You know, I, I surround myself with people who, you know, are strong in their faith and um, who are solid in, in their walk with God. Um, so I can't say that I, I've seen a whole lot of people opposite of that, uh, besides on social media. You know, I, I feel like, unfortunately, we live in a very anti-God world right now, where people are getting up and worshiping Satan or Satan live on stage, and people are celebrating that. And, uh, you know, that's something I didn't think I would necessarily ever see.
1: You're talking about the Grammy presentation, which was horrendous, unbelievable.
0: Yes, and I'm I'm sure I could find probably 10 or 12 more examples of that, you know, from these celebrities that get up there and, you know, basically make, uh, pay homage to Satan.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, That may be one of, in our lifetime, one of the most just clearly demonic demonstrations on network television that's ever been. And it's uh, turned a lot of people that I'm aware of off of the Grammys forever. I know I Mm -hmm. personally lost my respect for that organization for even considering airing such a a thing as that, but they did it and they seem to be proud. I think a lot of them were doubling down on that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, they were. They were definitely uh, not ashamed to put that out there for families to see, you know, even, you know, people would watch the Grammys with their children, you know, so children are watching something along those lines.
1: Well, It's true. Uh, what was it in, when you're growing up, what was it in the, uh, your, either your hearing the gospel in Sunday school at First Baptist Orlando or something your parents were saying? What was it, when you look back, Noah, what do you remember being the real trigger for your faith, making you say, yes, I believe? What was that?
0: No, I think it was that um, there's lots of religion, but every other religion besides Christianity says you must do this to be saved. But Christianity says I've already come to save you, you know, and you just have to accept that and pray and repent. And I think that was the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, Christ already came for me, and I don't have to do a checklist every day to get to heaven. And uh, that was my that was the big, um, big turning point in my life.
1: Now, did you have with you, uh, let's say some of your friends who were peers to you, were they uncovering that same truth at that same time, or was this something that you were like feeling alone in that process?
0: Um, Unfortunately, probably more alone. Um, I have, you know, about one or two friends that have been with me for the past 10 years that are with Christ, but the rest of them are unfortunately unsaved. Mm Mm-hmm
1: now you're you're coming at this job that you're full time at you're you're coming at it early on. I mean there's a you're surrounded by people who are much older than you, and you seem to me like a young man that's a bit of an old soul. Have you ever been told that?
0: <laughs> yeah, my wife tells me that I'm eighty years old all the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait a minute, you're twenty one and already married. Now that is even another feat that is amazing. That's great, my man. Yeah. married
0: and we have our first baby on the way.
1: Oh, congratulations. I thought for a moment, you Thank were going to you. tell me you're already a grandparent and I'm thinking, wait <laughs> a minute now, Noah, let's get real here, buddy. <laughs> that's great.
0: No, we have our first baby on the way coming this July. Um, yeah, I got married when I was actually 18 years old to my, to my wife, uh, Katie.
1: Oh, that's great. And now, they we're
0: coming up, coming up on three years this, this year.
1: So you got married at, if I'm doing the math right, at 18?
0: Yep, that's correct.
1: Wow. Now, you were homeschooled, right?
0: So I was homeschooled for the first half of my uh, school career, and then I went to school for the last bit of middle school and high school.
1: Okay. What school did you attend?
0: For middle school, I went to Howard Middle School, and then for high school, I went to Boone.
1: Okay, so you had public school uh, experience then? I did. Now, coming from a homeschooling background, what was that like for you going to Howard Middle School?
0: Uh, Howard Middle School was great. Um, That was—I was in the Performing Arts Magnet there, and that was a great experience that provided me with a lot of just wonderful things that have carried over to my life currently. Um, I can't say the same for Boone High School, (laughs) right? But Howard Middle School was a was a great program, or I guess the magnet program there, was a great thing for me to be in.
1: Well, that sounds uh, very exciting, and I'm sure the, the teachers that are around that's been part of that storied school, uh, our church met there uh, during the uh, 90s for a number of years, all the way to 2000. So that was our, uh, that old auditorium, which is no longer there was our home on Sundays at Metro Life Church back in the 90s. So we love that campus. It's a beautiful area. Uh, Again, a storied school with a lot of history. And uh, I'm glad to know that you had a good uh, experience there. And you you were walking out your faith. I know it wasn't done perfectly, but you had a chance to walk out your faith at a public school, and you came out a believer. I think that's success in and of itself, my man.
0: Yeah, that was quite the experience to go from homeschool and Christian homeschool, nonetheless, to uh, a very secular public school.
1: What advice do you have for young people who might be in your shoes, who might have had, let's say, a homeschool background, but maybe there uh, has been a change in the family, and they're now being asked to go to a public school? What would you advise them? How would you counsel them?
0: Yeah, I would have two pieces of advice. Uh, Step one is, you know, I think when I went, I was uh, worried that I was going to offend people. But the sooner you accept the fact that the truth will offend people who are offended by the truth, the sooner you can get over that. Um, So so you got to be
1: bold to tell the truth.
0: Right. Yeah. you, You can't be worried about offending people if you're speaking not your truth, but the truth. There's an important difference there.
1: Now, do you think kids can uh, believe you when you say that there's a difference there? Would would not they look at you and say, hey, that's your truth, buddy. It's not my truth.
0: You know, they they are welcome to say it, uh, but there is one universal truth. Uh, You know, if we lived in this society, which is unfortunately the direction we're going in, but uh, if a society believes that everyone can have an individual truth, then what is the truth, right? That mm-hmm. The truth still remains, even if you want to say what your individual perspective or truth is.
1: I agree I with you. That, yeah, go ahead.
0: I could say that gravity doesn't exist and I can say that all day long, but when I drop the pin on the floor, it's going to fall.
1: Well, how does that, how do you think this this whole notion that's going on in our culture right now about gender, when suddenly we are being told after after millennia of life and you know they say follow the science well you look at the science and we know that God made all all humans in male and female in his image. but even if you look at the animal world, they're still male and female. if and there's this sense of that even in the plant world to some degree, you'll hear that same terminology of gender used in the plant world and how do you think? What do you think of when you hear the preposterous things that our our culture is saying right now?
0: Well, I definitely think it's part of an agenda. Um, You know, I think it's a step-by-step plan they have uh, to, to basically tear down the, you know, as they call it, the nuclear family and make more more basically people who are going to vote the way they want to vote and make uh, decisions like that is probably one aspect of it mm-hmm. um, but you know like you said there is there is the truth right so you can say there's a thousand genders uh, but you are either a male or a female and if that truth offends you then that is a personal problem that you're gonna to have to deal with um, you know I can't just decide that I'm you know, if I'm 18 years old, I can't decide I'm 21 years old and go get a beer, right? There's laws and there's rules that I have to follow as a member of society.
1: That's true. That's true. I wish every uh, one of our politicians in America, be it in the Senate or in the House, uh, I wish they had that same viewpoint. I think things would be simpler and uh, probably run a lot more efficiently. Wouldn't you agree?
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think it's It's crazy to think that this is, you know, an idea that adults are not only having, but that other adults are uh, supporting, that you can just choose whatever you want to be. You know, this is these are ideas that kids would have, you know, that, you know, I can pretend to be a a military or a policeman. You know, you you play pretend and dress up as a child and that now we're accepting that from that behavior from grown adults is just uh, mind boggling.
1: That's great. I I commend your parents for raising up a a young man like yourself who is a young man of conviction who rightly understands what is truth. And that's what I'm praying for our culture around us right now. Real quick, before we take a first break, you are a writer. You're a communicator. When did that start in your life?
0: Well, that was my favorite subject in school. I was not of the math and science. Um, language arts was always my favorite, uh, topic to write, uh, to, to learn about. So, and, and writing just been a, a modality for that, learning how to craft words and be persuasive. Uh, and that's just been something that's interested me ever since probably, uh, elementary school.
1: What do you think the biggest tool that we have today that maybe previous generations, uh, did not have when it comes to a, a really appreciating the art of communication what do you, most people would think the internet has been more of an enemy than it has been a blessing. What are your thoughts?
0: Ooh, that's a heavy question. <laughs> I would say that, you know, not to tie it to a different issue, but, you know, a gun is a great tool and it's how you wield it. And I would say that the internet is a phenomenal tool, but it's how you wield it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a responsibility you have to wield it properly. So that's, that's what I would say about the Internet and the ability we have to learn.
1: All right. I like the answer. My guest today is Noah Fay. Noah is the director of communications for John Stimberger and the Florida Family Policy Council. And we're also going to be talking about in segment two, not only uh, the Florida Family Policy Council, but... Also, the fact that you have a kind of a hobby in your life. We're doing magic tricks. I'm anxious to hear that. (laughs) Noah Fay is my guest. We'll be back with Noah in just a moment right here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millenia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. E.C. Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, E.C. Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. On the line with me is Noah Fay. Noah is the Director of Communications for our good friend John Stimberger at the Florida Family Policy Council. And, uh, you know, we were talking during the break about uh, one aspect of Noah's life, if you've just tuned in, uh, it's really rare for me. I can't uh, really remember if I've ever done an interview, and I've done over a thousand of them, uh, an interview with a young man that is 21 years old, who's already married, who is now expecting a child just, uh, what, uh, five months? No, not even that. Four months away, right? So right. Already yeah, closer
0: to four months.
1: <laughs> yeah, expecting a child this summer. And uh, that is so encouraging to hear in a day in culture where people are waiting longer and longer to get married. You and your wife are going to be young people for your child or children if you decide to have more. And I think that's such a refreshing change from uh, what we see happening in the culture and uh, the fact that you are loving that and embracing that and exciting about that, I think it's going to be a game changer for a lot of people. You know, we are supposed to live our lives representing the light of the Lord, and that's what you're doing, Noah. And this is one area that if our culture needs it badly, boy, this is it. in, in uh, the whole thing about a nuclear family, a mom and a dad raising up kids to believe in the truth about the Bible, and to have the values that I know you have in your own heart and in your own life. It's no surprise to me to see why our friend John Stenberger would want to have a young man like you on the team, man. So congratulations with that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time right now. We've uh, we been praying for this little baby, and God answered that prayer, and we are just, ecstatic to uh we are awaiting his arrival here you know in the next couple of months four months from now like you said
1: right now do you know what you're going to have yet have they found out a boy or girl
0: it is a boy
1: oh right you already know that's awesome and you're yeah, going to get so yeah I, I you know you just we just can't even imagine what that little one is going to um have to face in their life but isn't it great noah And I have the same for my grandchildren. We had two born to our families this last year. And uh, I just, I'm excited to know that they can be world changers in their lifetime. They're growing up in a more dangerous, a more, like you said, polarized world than ever before. And some people make the mistake and I believe, notion or, or decision that they don't want to have a kid to bring up a kid in a world like today. That is foolish thinking in my mind. Pardon me if you've thought that. I'm not trying to be offensive. But the truth of it is we need young people to have been trained to know the truth and can live out the truth and point their generation to the truth. I know you are one who believes that.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, that Idea that we don't want to bring our uh, you know kids into this terrible world is is so silly because one I think you know the world we have has always been faulted you know from day you know from from the day we end in the garden I mean it has been downhill right and thank God we have a redeemer because our children will be redeemed as well you know that's your prayer as a parent that they're going to grow up to be strong Christian men and women who are going to lead other people to be strong Christian men and women right. And uh, that's what we need more of in the world, not less of that. So to avoid having children because of a fear, you know, I would say it's actually probably unbiblical to to live in fear of that.
1: Completely. You know, and you think about even the generation that would be the first uh, Christian generation in the church after Christ's uh, resurrection and ascension and those that were left behind then now to... Serve his will and to, to to do his purposes. They lived in a very dangerous world then too. It wasn't like everything was uh, just fine. You you talk about those families that saw their loved ones go off to the lions uh, in the coliseums for their oh, faith. Yeah.
0: Persecution was terrible.
1: Oh my goodness, they were definitely living in a dangerous time. And yet, with Absolutely. all of that persecution, here's the most amazing thing. The gospel grew and grew and grew and spread, and that is exactly why it's going to do the same thing today. The more persecution, the more messed up our culture is, the greater the light will shine in the middle of a dark culture, and that's something that you and your wife can look forward to with your child.
0: Yeah, that and that is. I mean, I don't think a day has gone by where we haven't prayed into this pregnancy and prayed into this child. Uh, that it would, you know, our baby would grow up to be a strong, uh, Christ-centered man who is going to be a leader of other men. And uh, that's just, you know, that's so important to pray into your children and, and, and pray specifically, too. Don't don't pray generic prayers, you know.
1: I agree completely. And I would add one other thing to that for all the grandparents listening. Pray for your grandchildren the same way, because we can mm. have a generational impact on our kids This is one of the things about moving back to Orlando that Cindy and I are enjoying right now that we never had with our other eight grandchildren, because when they were at the age that uh, these that were born into our family last year, when they were at that age, we were living in a different city. And now we're in the same city with uh, these two, and we're getting to experience this uh, time of their lives in a regular way. So grandparents, you have a lot to say. You have a big impact upon the lives of your grandchildren. Don't ever forget that. And let's believe God for a strong revival among this next generation that's coming up and in Noah's uh, generation as well. Noah, there's something about you that we mentioned at the end of the break, uh, end of the last segment before the break. You somehow got involved. Now this, I can't wait to hear this story. You got involved in, and intrigued by magic. And you became a bit of a magician. So tell me about that.
0: Yeah. So when I was, gosh, uh, when I was in fifth grade, no, sorry, sixth grade, my uh, friend went to Howard Middle School and I stayed homeschooled. And he came over one day and showed me this magic trick and I'd asked him where he had learned it. And he said that the school he was going to, had magic as a zero period, which means he would wake up early to go to school, and it counted as a credit, but, you know, you went an hour early, and that was one of the classes, was magic class.
1: Oh, my goodness. They're teaching it at Howard Middle School.
0: Yes, yes, and that was, I mean, I can't, the first trick I saw, I mean, my my face melted off. That was, you know, I can still (laughs) think back to that moment that I felt that and experienced that. And I probably spent the next year and a half glued to my computer learning magic tricks. And oh, I not. begged my mom to switch me from homeschool to middle, the Howard Middle School so I could go take the magic class. And reluctantly, she agreed. And the year I joined Howard Middle School, they unfortunately took away the magic class.
1: Uh-huh. So, you so didn't I get found to...
0: out who the teacher was. And I took his class so I could sit there and pester him about magic tricks. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's exactly what I did. I spent my whole year, another year learning magic and asking him questions. And um, then eighth grade year, they brought the magic class back. I was able to finally join. I got to practice. And I just, all the other kids were there just to have fun. And I, I was taking it serious. I was probably putting in six or seven hours a day of practice. Uh, It was the only thing that consumed my mind and my attention. Um, I I don't know how I passed school with A's and B's with how much time I was devoting to magic.
1: (laughs) Is that right? Now, has that ever been too important to you, do you feel? Or was it always in in kind of proper order in your heart?
0: No, I would say that when I was younger and I first got that, that bug, you may call it, I would definitely say that it, it put my life a little bit out of order where I was a little too obsessive on it. Um, and, you know, when you, when I was younger, um, you know, as parents, I think they were just so happy that I was so passionate about something, you know, and I don't fault them at all for not saying, you know, Hey, maybe you should, you know, reprioritize some things here. Cause they were just so supportive of me doing that mm-hmm. and focusing so much on magic. But I think probably advice I'd give to my younger self is, Hey, you know, this is, a great thing to practice on, but you need to make a schedule. You need to carve out time for family, for Christ, for, you know, relationships. And, you know, this magic thing you can do, yet you don't have to spend all your waking hours on it. And, uh, you know, it took years for me to to get a hold of that and say, you know, I need to have some defined boundaries of when I'm going to practice magic and and when I'm going to spend time with God and when I'm going to spend time with my family.
1: That sounds like that's a wise way to look at that. And an honest appraisal as well as to the place that some things can hold. In my life, it wasn't magic, it was music. And I would say yeah. that I definitely did the same exact thing in my life. It just meant too much to me at one point. And, and even when I became uh, kind of introduced to playing you know, Christian music and b- later on worship music, I began to realize that a lot of what I worshiped was the music and not the Lord. And so anything can become an idol in our lives. We've got to be careful with it, but it sounds like you've adjusted that well and uh, you, you now have a skill, even though it might've gone a little too much into the deep area for a while, but you've got a skill that you can probably still uh, amuse some friends at a party, right?
0: Yeah. So it's actually, um, it's actually my my version of you know we were talking about Brian who uh, you know his side hustle aside from uh, working for Concerned Veterans America his side hustle is his drone business
1: and this is your uh, brother aside, right
0: yes aside working from FFPC uh, I I do magic you know I, I get hired out by corporate events or uh, restaurants or you know private parties high end parties to come and do. Uh, some very professional and uh, I would classify it as not your typical magician pulling a bunny out of a hat kind of magic.
1: Now, can you talk about the kind of uh, tricks that you do? Is that something that is that against the magician's code to even mention? What Mm -hmm. what do you do?
0: Not at all. Not at all. So um, I would say that you know, for a long time, magicians tried to portray like they had real magical powers. Uh, that is not the case for me. I know some may still do it, but even most of the magicians nowadays don't try to pretend they're any—you know—they have real magical powers. <laughs> right. Uh, the magic I do, I would classify as sleight of sleight of hand and psychology-based magic. Uh, you know, I have I have some things that make it look like I can read your mind. And, you know, that's obviously not the case, but using some psychology and some sleight of hand, I'm, I'm able to achieve some very magical looking effects. Um, the, other, the other main things I do is, you know, I do a lot of card magic. Um, I do, you know, on big stages or up close right in front of your face. And that's kind of my, that's my, uh, my passion is card magic, It's what I really latched on to.
1: You mentioned the first trick that you saw your friend do. What kind of trick was that?
0: yeah, that was card magic. He um he took my card and he melted it through a plastic bag and it went from the outside to the inside. and then I reached my hand in there and pulled it out. and I mean i was I was baffled.
1: Wow. Now there has to be uh, a trick obviously into all of that. And I'm, you know, sometimes you see videos on uh, YouTube that will be a magic trick. and you see uh, maybe the behind the scenes uh, kind of viewpoint. As to what is actually happening, but the person that is uh, being this uh, has been uh, presented to, they don't see that. So the sleight of hand aspect is a really big part of it, right?
0: Yes, yeah, sleight of hand mixed with psychology. I, I, you know, I feel like I, from practicing magic for so long, I, I feel like I have a, a master's degree in psychology. I joke because I had just had to learn so much about psychology to learn how to take advantage of it. To get away with certain things.
1: Now I'm intrigued by that. What kind of psychology are we talking about here that you would use in a magic trick?
0: Yeah, so there's that's um, <laughs> a lot, but you know I'll give you a couple examples. There's something that it happens called mind gaps, and uh, there's probably a more scientific name for it, but basically when your brain is trying to process too infer- too much information, it fills in the gaps with incorrect information. And I am actually able to decide what your brain fills in that information with uh, through uh, carefully crafted words and imagery. Uh, Uh So I'm basically able to recreate a false memory in your mind based on the different time gaps that happen in in your brain.
1: And all of this is being done. Like you said, there's nothing dark about it. We're not talking no. about anything other than just psychology and learning how the, what and the way that people think, and then you're employing yes. that and you're pulling it out, and that's got to appear to that person as amazing.
0: Yes, it does. You know, they will swear up and down that you know basically the the memory I just planted in their head is their own. You know, and when I say implanted, it sounds like I'm doing something crazy. You know, hypnotist hip, kind of thing. It's really not. It's really just recapping what happened in my words and making them think it's their words. And they will latch on to that. We actually call it an anchor point. They will anchor themselves to that so strong. And based on other anchor points that I have throughout the trick, they will only have all those anchor points to work with. And then that is the memory they will recreate. And when they tell their friends about it, that is what it will be to them.
1: Man, when I see you, Noah, you're going to have to do that on me. I want to see that up front. And I want to have my mind mo- to. <laughs> to see that kind of a trick. I have seen a lot of people do these card tricks and those always amaze me. It takes a lot of coordination and uh, hand to eye movements that uh, are, uh, I believe, very difficult to master. But you had to master those. And of course, you started, like you said, when you were in middle school. So that has given you a lot of time to master those those different feats.
0: Yes. You have to get good at the mechanical before you can get good at the psychological.
1: That's right. So what would be one of the most fun things that you've ever done magic wise?
0: one of the most fun things, you know, I get to make a lot of money doing magic now. Um, When I started out, I started out doing it for free. And then I, my rate, I started out with super cheap and, you know, it's, it's kind of just progressed into the four-figure, you know, hourly rate. Um, Wow,
1: that's great.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I would just, I would say the most fun thing about this is I'm getting to make money at something that I would do completely for free. You know, I obviously don't tell people who are booking me that, but if they said, we don't have any money, but we want you to come do this show and we can't afford to pay you, you know, if I wasn't doing anything that night, I would probably go do that show for free.
1: (laughs) That's great. That's the kind of heart that you have, Noah. And I love that. And uh, again, that's something that people, if they're interested, how can they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. If, if anyone wanted to see some magic, you know, they could reach out to me personally um, at my email. It'd be, you know, Noah Fay, N O A H F A Y, and then it'd be 0105 at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, I, I actually just had First Baptist of Orlando reach out to me about coming to do magic for their team meeting um, and, uh, at, the end, at the beginning of April. Well,
1: this sounds great for youth groups or fun uh, occasions, fun parties, maybe even around Christmas time to, to bring in a believer like yourself who does innocent magic tricks like this that are clever and um, amazing but uh, nothing to be concerned about spiritually speaking. Noah Fay is my guest. We'll be back with him for one more segment while I uh, try to take a drink now of water for this froggy voice that I'm dealing with. We'll be right back
0: right here on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, Yes, and yes. Visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095.
1: Back again for segment three, and I've got Noah Fay on the line. Noah is with the Florida Family Policy Council, which of course is led by our good friend John Stimberg.er who I've known for 30-plus years. John is up here fairly regularly, love that guy, and have uh, been able to be a part of a lot of his functions and uh, both in Orlando and in Tallahassee. You joined uh, in January, so you're in your uh, first quarter of working for John. First of all, tell me uh, what it is that you really love about Florida Family Policy
0: Council. Well, you're me in a tough place to just say one thing I love about FFCC, Uh, but I would say the biggest thing that I love about FFCC is that it's a Christian organization that doesn't necessarily use Christianity as their argument for things like abortion or transgender surgery on minors. So it's almost like uh, spiritual warfare meets legislative warfare.
1: That's an interesting point. I mean, you're using... Uh, again, the word that comes to my mind when I hear you describe it like that is that you're using truth that is not just theological truth. It's real truth. It's life truth. It's a truth about a man and a woman truth. And yet we're living in a day that uh, they don't realize that this whole thing about transgenderism, it's almost like it's built its own little religion and people are worshiping it.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's you know, it's a, scary, it's a scary thing that's progressed far, but we're hoping that the pendulum will start swinging the other way when you start hearing, you know, about all these kids that are basically coming out and regretting, you know, having their breasts removed at 15. Like uh, our detransitioner, who we're going to have a pro family day, is Chloe Cole. You know, uh, she had her, her, her breasts removed in a double mastectomy at 15 years old. Oh and that was goodness. sanctioned by doctors and therapists. uh, Did that happen in Florida? That did not happen in Florida. That was California.
1: Okay. But I know that there are a lot of things happening in Florida that John would be aware of that uh, have gone on that would be in that same, maybe not as extreme as what she did. That's tragic. But these kind of surgeries are openly now being defended by the government in a lot of areas and basically saying that our children do not need the permission or uh, even the involvement of parents in any way at all when it comes to these life-altering decisions. And it's just nuts to see what's going on right now in the culture.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that is definitely something really crazy. I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, in Florida, she's famous on TikTok. and. She does her sex change operations on minors, but to my knowledge, she does the procedures here in Florida on minors, and that's kind of her big thing is how proud of she is that she does that. Wow. She has hundreds of thousands of uh, followers on TikTok.
1: And, you know, this, uh, this whole thing about TikTok in itself is kind of controversial in a number of different ways, but one thing for sure, it has the involvement of a lot of young people, and when families have not taught truth, when families have not shared any words about the Bible to their children, and then suddenly they see a charismatic person like a person on TikTok, it can pique the interest. And, you know, uh, there was a day that uh, the the confusion about, say, things of uh, sexual orientation and things like that would have been more maybe the the lower percentages of the population. In my mind, Noah, I'd love to know if you agree with this. I think our current culture is is really instructing confusion into the lives of young people. It's almost like we're challenging their thoughts on even the most basic of things Uh, they're questioning. If you aren't even sure by the time you're able to know that, that there is a difference in a boy and a girl then, my goodness, you can be told anything, and then later, like you said, when you find out the truth, it might be too late, like this young lady who you're going to have at the uh, upcoming event.
0: Yes, I mean, I completely agree with you that what we basically have is impressionable children who not only are seeing these things, but it's been proven that YouTube and TikTok specifically market the LGBTQ plus transgender videos to the children, you know, age range, eight to 10 years old. And they specifically flood videos to them to see. Right. And, you know, that's basically what we're doing here is we have these impressionable children who are just, like you said, looking for charismatic personalities. And all of a sudden these charismatic personalities are saying, you know, do you ever feel like you were uh, born a girl, but feel like you're a boy. And, you know, these these questions that they start asking themselves before they're even able to comprehend. You know, if you asked your eight-year-old, what is a boy? I'd be curious to see what the definition he gives is. You know, that's, a, that's probably something that most of these kids are able to even define. And
1: yet we have a lot of uh, teachers in a lot of States who are denying things like that kind of uh, education being given. They'll deny it, but then it's seemingly now every day now that there's a new story that will come out or you'll see it on the internet where uh, a book has been read by a parent, and it is explicit, sometimes pornographic, uh, in its uh, content. And it's what their kids, their kindergartners, for crying out loud, are being exposed to.
0: Yeah, I just watched a video yesterday about uh, a child. It was a child who was reading in front of the school board a book that was offered in his library. And he was, I believe, he was ten years old, and the book was depicting a graphic sex scene uh, between two teenagers.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: And you know that's that's in you know, a library, which is why the uh, the bill at Governor Santos was passing about, uh, or that I'm sorry, the Board of Education was passing to require librarians to go through uh, this education on what books are allowed. You know, so vital and crucial.
1: I think that's a good thing, and we need more legislators, not just the governor. This is something, uh, you know, where I believe that we need people of conscience, we need representatives. I know there's a lot of them that joined uh, the ranks of uh, state senators and state representatives in this last election who are really wanting to make a difference, who have that kind of heart, who have that kind of education, who believe the, the words of the Bible, and I I'm grateful for their influence, but Florida is, uh, you know, when it comes as many great things about our state as it is, we still have room to grow in the area of abortion. And I know that when you look at some of our neighboring states, they would have more strict laws. Uh, You think of Georgia, you think of Alabama, their laws are more strict than our Florida's law. What are you hearing in anticipation of this upcoming pro-family event that's going to take place later this month. What what are you hearing about that?
0: Yeah, so you know our Pro Family Days, um, we we have the amazing lineup of guest speakers. We're going to have Chloe Cole, who I mentioned. Um, you know she is blowing up. She's probably the most well spoken person you'll ever hear, and she's only 18 years old. And uh, she transitioned and then de-transitioned back all before the age of 18. Wow. Uh, We have billboard Chris, also known as Chris Elson. He, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he wears the billboard on the college campuses uh, about the different controversial topics. Uh, But he is very educated on the transgender surgery uh, for minors. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be together on our first night, on our first night Monday. And then we have, you know, it's a a two-day event. On Tuesday morning, we're going to have our prayer breakfast and we're going to have Dr. William Lyle Who's called the you know the pro life doc? He took over Pensacola's largest abortion clinic, and when he took it over, all, every abortion stopped day one. And then he turned all the old abortion equipment into basically, uh, you know, a museum of of these basically barbaric tools that are used in an abortion, just to show people how you know how gruesome these are.
1: There's been a lot of positive things that have happened in the last year. Of course, chief of which would be the overturning of Roe v. Wade on June 24th of last year. So it was a big year, and yet in some ways I know that there are cases that are upcoming in our country that uh, would might uh, uh, give us an even further uptick in the involvement of uh, those radical people who are trying to stomp out pro-lifers uh, I'm speaking of the chemical abortion pill that is out there, and mm-hmm. it couldn't be more dangerous, right?
0: Yeah, and that's why, you know, our governor, DeSantis, he is crushing it uh, when he says that CVS and Walgreens will not put those on their shelves. You know, that is something, you know, as terrible as it is, if you're going to do that, you know, it needs to be under a doctor's prescription and supervision because uh, the. The rate of women who are becoming septic or dying uh, is it, just astronomically higher than that of even just regular abortions, which even you know those have high uh, complication rates.
1: Oh yeah, but at least you have a medical person that's there, and and that not that they're helping the child at all. Obviously, they're not. But for the for the woman, at least you'd have uh, the mother would have some. Uh, opportunity for treatment that with these pills they don't, and they're not telling the truth at all about the risks or the dangers involved in these pills.
0: No, they're not. They are. They're. They're trying to stifle the information on it uh, because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Their next best solution is just to put abortion in a pill on the on the shelf that you can pick up, you know, much like a, a gallon of milk, and you know, it's just going to lead to. The terrible outcomes for these women who feel like they they are gonna you know need to go get this abortion pill option.
1: Right. Well, my man, you've got a big event coming up in just a couple of weeks up in Tallahassee, Pro Family Days. Always a very meaningful time. I know that involved with that is obviously some tools and tips on uh, really becoming part of the legislative process, and they usually go over to. The Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, and spend some time there and meet some of the representatives that are there. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most about this upcoming time?
0: Well, I think you you nailed it. You know, we already talked about the amazing speakers we have lined up and the the educational purpose, but I think our big hitter is always our prayer breakfast that we have on Tuesday morning. And you know, it is it is spirit filled and it is powerful to be in that room for that prayer breakfast.
1: So true. Uh, and is this all going to be held at the Civic Center there in Tallahassee again?
0: Yes, yes. It's going to be at the Civic Center, and the um, the dates of it are going to be March 27th and March 28th, if I'm not mistaken.
1: All right, 27th and 28th. And what is the website for Florida Family Policy Council?
0: Yeah, so the, you can actually look up uh, Pro Family Days, and our link will come up, you know, it's a com or family uh, Florida family org slash pro family days and okay. you'll find a link to register there
1: so just google Florida pro family days and that will come up and that might be the easiest thing for our listeners to do uh, to kind of f- find out and they can attend just the uh the breakfast itself right?
0: Yeah, so you, you can choose. It's uh, a two-day event. You can sign up for both days or, or just one of the days. It starts Monday, and it'll be over Tuesday by 2 p.m.
1: Well, it's always a great time, and I know John is excited about it and it sounds like the lineup is stupendous for this year. And I wish you the best, and I'm so thankful for you, my friend. Welcome uh, to the team here of uh, Florida Family Policy Council, and uh, thank you for being on my program.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Well, it's been great. Noah Fay, Director of Communications for John Stenberger's organization, Florida Family Policy Council. And my friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.